0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Quote Unquote with KK. We had taken a short break given our half yearly commitment to our own business and accounting and finance related issues. However, we are back and today we have a very interesting discussion on startups. And to do that, I have called in a very interesting personality who is a doyan in the Indian industry particularly the healthcare and pharma industry, and has now been playing a leading role in startup as well. I would like to introduce Keval Handa, who is one of my advisory board members of my fund as well, and has been in the Indian industry and the governance on several boards in India. Just to give you a bit of a perspective, Keval is an Indian business person who has been at the helm of nine different companies. Presently, he occupies the position of CEO for the Third Eye Creative Films LLP and has been participating in several positions in various industry bodies. Keval is also a member of the Institute of Company Secretaries of India and has been on CII, Bombay Chamber of Commerce and Industry, member of the Institute of Cost and Works Accountants. Of India. In his past career, he has been the non executive chairman of Union Bank of India and CEO and MD of Pfizer India. As part of Pfizer India, where I happened to first work together with Cable on his advisory board for three years, I happened to know Cable much more deeper. And I can tell you that under his leadership, Pfizer not only successfully merged Pfizer and wired together in India, but became one of the top 10 pharma companies in India due to some of the initiatives and strategies that we implemented during his term. He is always a go getter and always tried to change the rules of the game and disrupt the industry, which is why Pfizer India was the first MNC to even enter the branded generic space in India. And he was one of the leaders that has built Pfizer to where it is today. Keval is a qualified management accountant, company secretary, has a master's degree in commerce. He has completed the Pfizer leadership development program from Harvard University and senior management development program from IM Ahmedabad. He has also done certificate courses on marketing strategy from Columbia Business School, New York. He was awarded the CFO of the year in 2004, for Excellence in Finance in an MNC by International Market Assessment Group, the Bharat Shiromini Award in 2007, and the Farmer Leaders, Farmer Professional of the Year for 2010. Aval is an astute businessman as well as an astute independent director. He has gone through a journey which we would like to get his nuggets of wisdom and experience where many independent board members have failed or have failed to continue or have failed to contain the damage that some of these startups and their founders have inflicted on their companies. As you know, that very recently there was a trial by media for one of the unicorns, which led to the exit of one of the founders. And in the process, there was a lot of mudslinging allegations and counter allegations, and a lot of stories around the way the startup was managed, both by the investors, by the startup founders, and the employees themselves were very concerned as to what the future of that unicorn would be. I'm not taking names here. But it's important that we learn from these experiences so that all the stakeholders who are part of the startup ecosystem learn from this. Therefore, today's podcast has been aptly titled Growth, Glamour, Greed, Graph, Governance. Now you know who I am referring to without taking names. So welcome to our podcast, quote unquote, with KK Keval. And we've got a lot of issues and topics to discuss. So let me start uh, talking about growth. And obviously, growth is one of the most talked about topic in our startup circles. So what's happening now? Growth is on a deceleration. There is a FOMO that India is in the autumn of PE growth stage investing. Is this the after effects of Paytm and Zomato IPO? and some other high-profile buyouts of unicorns at very lower valuation. What's your thought here? So,
1: first of all, let me thank you all for getting me on this podcast. It's a real pleasure to speaking to you. I think a little bit of uh, perception has changed dramatically after the IPOs of some of these companies and there has been a reality check or maybe the investors have given shown them a mirror. And now people are speaking different languages on the boards of the startups or even in unicorn boards. And I understand one of the IPOs is getting deferred because they want to balance their profitability and can come only, they want to come only when they have a profits at the bottom. So there are two things. Startups, per se, initially, daily growth, there is no Doubt about it, they need scaling, uh, they need investment for, for scaling, and at that phase when it's thinking about uh, profitable growth, uh, sometimes it becomes difficult to absorb that both from the private equity point of view as well as from the promoters' point of view, because they want to scale initially, and then only when the scale is there, the value comes So initially, I think it's it's fine as you go up, but you need to keep an eye on how much cash you're burning every month, how much cash you're burning every year, whether you would be in the same phase over a longer period of time, short period of time, or a term liquid of of time. If that vision is very clear, the thought process is very clear, then I think these everybody is tuned to understanding that yes, we are going to burn cash for three years, or for five. That's fine. But at the end of the three or five, fifth year, we need to be very clear where they hold. So I think there is a real reality check now to answer your question. Yes, most of the startups have started looking at the bottom line now and have looking at the cash burn and saying what needs to be done to make the business more profitable.
0: Okay, well, you've been on boards of some of the high-profile unicorns as well, and what we are seeing now is that some of the founders still are in that mode of higher valuation and profitability can be traded off by giving a lifetime value of customer or some other metric to gain valuation, which is not happening. Somewhere you on the board representing either the investor or an independent board member would actually have to coach and sit down with the founders to say, look, cash is king, profitability, path to profitability is important. Do they really listen to board members like you or they still want to go their way because most founders are dreamers and they think of ideas in the night and morning they want to take it forward. So how do you control such situations when you are on such high profile growth age unicorn companies? So
1: the first principle is you know never never kill the goose that lays the golden. Correct. A lot of these promoters built up really scale built up an organization built up a value proposition. Suddenly, if you start talking to them in a different language than what they are used to, there would be a problem. You have to okay. Some of them may require, some may require counselling also and some may require to set up a good governance system right in the process. But if somebody is used to a certain practice and the way a person has been doing a certain practice and suddenly you discover that this practice is wrong without putting the policies, the SOPs and processes in place and then you hang him up it's not to not mind you need work with the promoter work and to take the if the governance is drastically violated and there are you know stock governance violation then there's a issue in spite of putting the process yes this type of dialogues need to be more from the independent directors it has to happen from the investors because at the end of the day the investors thought process have to be aligned with the promoters what does the investor want over a period of time and therefore i always say to the promoters get the right type of investors not the money but right type of investor to align to your business very very critical money can come but some investors who put the money and want to dictate terms differently than your thought process, then there is. So choosing a right investor and a right partner or a venture part becomes very very critical for any promoter to take his organization forward, to fulfill his dream, to see his vision come
0: straight. Rightly put, one quick corollary to this I wanted to know. Why do founders want more cash than they can handle on their growth age trajectory? Is it just because they feel that having more cash in the bank allows them some leeway and they can and probably grow faster or it's just the comfort that having cash can tide them over some imminent failures which they have not even thought of or some pivots that they may need to do in future for which they need to create or keep a stash of cash and that comes at a cost to them in terms of the equity stake and the dilution and various other clauses that come attached to that investment. How do you see this trend now decelerating amongst the founders of startups? So very very good question folks one
1: of the Companies, uh, we were one day a private investor to come in and then there was this question of the investor wanting to come with X percentage of shareholding a very simple question I raised are we talking about shareholding or are we talking of short term and mid term requirement what plans do we have for the next 3 years for which we require and suddenly I found that the discussion changed and the percentage X percentage came down to Y now nah. the startup keeps cash, cash for many reasons eh? you rightly said the uncertainty around the businesses it's too early business they don't know what's going to happen next that's all they want to have certain money in the bank to take care of these types of contingents. the second is the opportunity of inorganic growth there are many opportunities that might come through on the way that time it may be very difficult to raise cash and therefore if they want to grab it very quick they have money in the bank and they go and grab that opportunity so that's the money is required the third to my mind is many times when they raise the cash uh, it's quite an effort to go for raising the money and getting the money so they don't want to make this effort Quite frequently, which impacts their valuation also. So, if you keep on going to the market again and again for raising cash, it impacts the valuation very bad. Rather than have it now and then go after two years or three years, gives it a better valuation. Maybe that's another reason which the, the promotes. But cash in the bank boils a whole lot of, let me tell you. And cash in a bank, extravagant, don't take care of how the business is to be run efficiently and effect And that's the downside of having the cash.
0: Exactly. And I want to flip this whole issue on what we are seeing as certain very fast growth ventures which are turning sour with the founders leading into some headline exit or some other activities which are anti corporate, anti investor. We've had uh, so many such cases in our Indian startup growth ecosystem. Uh, In fact, there was Sequoia Capital which had some common such names uh, had to publicly announce that they were going to start governance training for their founders and senior management, implementation of whistleblower policies, more independent board representation and asking for more dis- disclosures and more rigorous adoption of internal audit and controls. I just want you to understand when the going is good and the growth is good, are investors equally complicit in these cases along with rogue founders for the misconduct? Or did they turn the blind eye when they were doing the diligence before putting the money in the ventures? What is the case here and why is this happening time and again?
1: I think the startup culture, if you look at startup culture in India, is a phenomenon over the last few years suddenly a whole lot of people promoters come up and then a lot of unicorn and within two or three years so they bust now people have realized that it's fair enough the promoters had used to doing a business in certain way but when you are playing with such a huge business you're playing with such so a huge cash and then you want to go to ipo in future it is better to set systems and processes in place right i think that's clear understanding that is coming and therefore now you say they are mirroring what is quite realistic you have a corporate governance in play you have a you have an harassment of women in place. Then you have a nomination committee coming in. Now you have an audit committee coming in, which was not required because the nature of their businesses and 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 the structure they are in, these themes are not required. But now, taking into account that they have grown so fast and are likely to grow fast, and then they're going to be a unicorn or they are already a unicorn, then let's put in a structure in place for governance. And it's also important to do so now because media is very and you know the slightest thing that happens comes out in the media, and therefore nobody wants to expose themselves and ensure that they put it in place. The third and the most important reason I think why these governance are getting in place because these startups are now looking for genuine independent directors who when they come on the board from experienced companies, they start talking about related projects, they talk about audits passing through a remuneration committee top some limits and other things on debts and when you start speaking, it's a good thing that we've started this now and I'm sure as we go along most of the startup will they, they put this in place, private equity or to a joint and that is what a private a startup put the process and system in place right in the day one if they want to be a unicorn if they want to run as a partnership company as their own private enterprise forget about it then you do whatever you want to do but you want to be a unicorn you want to raise money in the market put the process and system in place on day one
0: I wanted to pose a quick question here you've been on several committees from the industry bodies you've been working with banks as an independent and non-executive chairman and you've seen a lot in your life right from from an MNC like Pfizer after retiring from Pfizer you've gone through a lot obviously startup culture in India is going to grow it's not going to die down yeah there will be ups and downs there would be certain phases of up and down but if you were to recommend to our regulators our ROC saying that startups are future listed entities how do we start grooming them right into the regulatory framework so that they are well prepared to go through the IPO or merge with with a, a listed company uh, and follow proper growth and reporting and investment disclosure processes, which are very, very scant and arbit as defined by the investor before they go IPO. So do you think that we need certain guidelines and framework for such entities who are going to be the next future reliance and ambanis and adanis? And- Nowadays, there are uh, many associations, some very good of ones, which give training for uh, budding
1: directors or those who want to be directors. So I was speaking to one of these sessions and uh, there were almost about uh, 20 people who wanted to become directors. And before I could actually start my speech, uh, they were so terrified because looking at the laws of this country and the liabilities you have as a director. All of them, I asked them, what is on the top of your head today? All of them said, we don't want to be a director. I said, why so? And they quoted me all the laws and I said, look, that is where the challenge comes. You have not heard the positive thing of being a director and how you can shape and organize, how you can do the business and how you can participate in Towards the growth of this country, you're looking at laws and you're getting worried about. Then I said that what we need in this association is that you start Wars for the Earth. Completely Focus on Entrepreneurs, the Unicorns, their employees, and tell them what is governance all about and how you can send in your to put in place and how do you look at this. I think that was a fantastic idea. They grabbed it and they said, okay, now next session of Wars will be only for the Unicorns, upcoming Unicorns on this time. So it's going to be more voluntary. But what is happening is the new enterprise, at the new entrepreneurs I've seen, most of them, they are actually started now talking same language because they have also read in the newspapers and they have seen experiences they don't want to fall into that and they said okay let's but they don't know how to go about that some of them said where do we learn what do we learn how do if somebody can talk to them the associations which give this training or they can catch hold of good independent directors sit with them and they should associate it with such of independent directors as their coach and I always said that put somebody on a job as your coach and consultant to help you in the process. And I think that investment is worthwhile for the address. Whether the regulations want to be put in compulsorily or guidelines is secondary. What is important, it should come within. And once it comes in within, I think we will have, we have a great opportunity. Entrepreneurs who are brilliant. The world will really see more unicorns in India and i think this is just a little bit of phase where we have few things that went wrong but as we move forward i'm very very confident most of the startups well I have a lot of governance in place and people like me and others who are in the independent direct are actually holding this. they need nurturing you cannot overnight tell them that stop this do this and I'm sucking you because you did you might have done this as a private enterprise but you have to give them time to evolve and therefore the nur- it's a nurturing phase I always say nurture I have done this nurturing even with matured listed company Forget about what are we talking about startup the same problem I've seen in matured listed companies where the governance was zero but you can't say overnight I will. Dealers to your company? No, work with them, talk to them outside the board meeting. Tell them what it is and what not, and explain to them. And I'm sure they are all this. They all this. And I, I see a great future for a startup.
0: Just for the benefit of audience, I just want to remind: we had Doctor Khandelwal who had come on our podcast in season two. He had a mention of of a name of a person who had turned around one of the banks in terms of the processes and governance, and who came from a non banking. A sector and we are glad to have the same person talking about it on our podcast today and he's none other than Keval himself so I must congratulate coming from a pharma and a non-financial services and banking background there was a lot uh, he mentioned about you in our podcast Keval I want a personal manifestation about how did you actually transform from being a leader a corporate leader a board member and a leader from a pharma sector to actually go in to banking sector and then now to startups and some of the leading unicorns i would love to get what are your lessons that you have learned that common across the thread so that so many budding listeners on our podcast who want to probably emulate you could get these nuggets of wisdom today thank you very much and i should thank
1: mr kandilwal for his compliments that, though i am sure i don't deserve all the banking was yeah, sort of i deliberate after my retiring of visa. choose which company i want to be on the- I didn't want it to be on board of per se, uh, though I was having my own pharma ventures. So I, as a conflict of ventures, I wanted to keep it away from farmers. This was where an opportunity came in the bank and I said okay, why not? Uh, at the end of the day, what we need to understand is that at our level, we need to bring that leadership back in the areas of professionalizing the bank, in the areas how processes are being managed, our system need to be put in place, our governance need to be put in place. And I said whether it is bank or the organization, the principles remain all the same. And I I had a very, I don't know, I always believe and trust people. You know, I trust the people. I like to work with the people. I didn't just enter the bank on the day one with nothing. I did my yeah. own preparation about the bank. I actually sat through with all the business units of the bank to hunt the business of the bank and how the banks are run and what are the challenges they face and how they are facing challenges and what are their future plans and so on. So almost to spend the one month understanding the business, that is a key for any director. First, understand the business you're going to be on the Vote. if you don't understand the business your remarks are all artificial and it doesn't make sense and therefore it is very critical to understand this. second part, i told the md of the band look i am not competing for your post i'm here to help and support you and i think let's improve whatever that we can improve because it's going to benefit the bank and everybody else so with that limited vision i went into the bank and i think things changed and i should give credit more to the people who were willing to change and ready to accept the change whole lot of things were there never been before, the banks have done things like what we did and say in the Union Bank and today I'm very very proud from a very negative profit around about four years back today the bank is the most profitable bank it has done one of the big mergers seamless merger did it and it, it has it, it has bonds back and is on the highest digital track than any other bank and in fact they are marked a thousand crore rupees to just spend on the digital initiative so these are the changes that can happen it can happen with your leadership it can happen with your a clear understanding that what changes you want to bring in and focus on those changes you can't change everything but what matters most you need to change you should focus on that and change and if you are able to do that with the people of, on the other side, I think you have done a great job. So it's only not in the banks. I've also moved into a very new
0: startup uh, uh, venture. Yeah, yeah.
1: Startups, uh, in the fintech line I've been. And the latest one is all the uh, new generation electric vehicles. So I'm a part of the board of an electric vehicle to just give an example, to understand what is electric vehicle all about. And I did a course on electric vehicles, which was around about a one month full course. Oh, wow. So this is where, and then there are many companies of mine where digital is becoming a big thing. So I undertook a lockdown, a digital course, completely understanding the digital environment, the digital landscape, and what does the leaders want to the digital. So also I went through a governance course during my lockdown. So I think a director has to keep on what is the trend and what is necessary for the business you love. If your business needs automation and digitization, who better spend your money on understanding what is automation and digitization all about? And I think that's the learning I want to pass on to all directors. It's just not going to the meeting and coming back. Is reinventing yourself and learning yourself, and then making a meaningful call I think that's the only my request to all of them is: don't take this position. Once you are on a board, everything is over. It's learning starts from there, and that contribution. Focus on them and keep an eye on what's happening in competitors' field, in the environment, and bring that learning and interpret it, and bring it on the board. That's where your contest.
0: So it's also glamorous to be on a board as an independent director. And I want to talk about shift gears and talk about glamour in our startup founders. Some want to go on Shark Tank, somebody want to do some other gig. And obviously, they are key men in their own startup. So there is a risk about what their public profile as they expand themselves and what their venture and their investors require them to do. And we have had some incidents in the past as well where some high profile celebrity founders have come into light because of their own need to show that they have reached certain level in public domain. Do you think there's a reason why some of these startup co-founders, founders crave for such celebrity status? Hey, why not? Everybody likes to be
1: on media. Uh, but does. our
0: prime minister also gives them photo shoot opportunity, na? calls them in under Startup India, some of those guys and gives them enough time and it goes in media. Is that not enough? Don't they no, have, I, need to focus on growth of their own ventures rather than focus on something else outside? I, don't know I, have, I think, I think, It's a very let's understand startups have achieved a lot and
1: they they associate the organization with themselves, so there is a need to talk about it. And they are also in the face of raising money, so the visibility also becomes quite critical. Well, when I was an MD of Pfizer, and earlier there was this rule that an MD of Pfizer would not speak unless you know corporate affairs does this and some issue is involved. But I was a darling of those guys and I could speak uh, on the industry affairs and all, I never went into very specific about Pfizer but I spoke on industry all the time and I talked about changing uh, the environment all the time whether it be IPR or on the pricing or on the quality or the clinical trials I was there even today if you will be surprised that the other day I did a one on, on Republic on, on an issue on, on Pharma uh, but they call me because they know that I will give a genuine feedback that's where it is. your credibility is important and what you speak there becomes important, it and how this is associated with your business I think that is where the conduct and is very critical then what do you speak how do you speak so that you create that right image of the audience. and as long as you are building the image of the and all that. and I my advice to all the startup is be very careful what you speak of okay? it uh, don't fake it you actually actually live what you are in your vision and if you are presenting yourself or in front of the people then everybody is watching and therefore be careful what you speak how do you speak what do you speak because it's not your image it's the image of the organization which matters the most and you should align your image with the image of the organization. Once you align, I think it's a great to be in the news, great to talk about it and be as decent and modest as
0: what's wrong with that, Durkha. I agree with you, but some of our research actually shows that some of the celebrity founders, not just in India, even in US and other places, have a very short life in the public. Some of their actions or word have quickly led to a negative rub-off on their ventures and their own brand. Although investors look at it from a key man risk for such founders and some of them could go rogue against the investors and the board, the management of such founders, actions and words in the media would have a negative perception for the investors as well as the venture. Now, I'm sure there's no playbook here to say, you know, how do you protect the venture from such celebrity, key man risk and damage they may inflict on the venture. But it's happened time and again and it has led to some very celebrity uh, exits not just in India but even in the US which is the Silicon Valley of and the mecca of startup. How do we really contain or co? such founders from not making such statements or going overboard to gain some sort of a celebrity status and that's a very big risk that they inflict not just on themselves but also on the venture that they are leading. Absolutely right. Why are you in the press and media? Is
1: is it because of your
0: own image you
1: want to be there or because you want to further the cause of your organization? You have to be very clear on that. If you are to further the cause of the organization you will do all the right things you want. But if you are going to build your own image then there might be a conflict. There will be a And therefore, you need to be very, very careful why you are. And if you're looking at only to building your image, then you need to disassociate yourself with the organization. Otherwise, there are now. how do we talk to the startups and ought not. I think in the initial stages when the private equity investors or the directors see these types of exposures, maybe require a coaching and counseling to the startup and saying, you know, you're going overboard or this is not need to be done. Be careful what you're saying. Let's, Let's be within the boundaries. Let's don't have to speak more about the internal issues but you can speak about it, about the industry issues the association issues all that needs to be talked about and i think any sensible man would take the right feedback and redo the entire thing uh, to align himself or herself with the organization most important is you are in media not for yourself but for the. and i think that's very critical and that's all for the organization or for the industry offer the association or to bring about change in the landscape, that's all fine. But if you want to glorify yourself and talk about yourself all the time, that creates a very negative. Let me make it say that up front.
0: Yeah, and I want to just flip this whole thing. There have been very, very successful founders of ventures which are unicorn and they have limited themselves to, although celebrity status in the media, but limited their exposure to the media to a certain issue on the industry or to a Certain issue on their company. Otherwise, they have not gone on to a shark tank, all sorts of events where it just shows the immaturity of the founder who does not and it does not reflect very well with the brand of the company or the on the venture that they are they are leading at. This is something which basically is a key-man risk then. Well, I think there's two different things. I am an investor, I have invested in a one unicorn, but I'm also
1: investing personally in a, many many other ventures. So if I participate in such types of meetings where I get an opportunity to invest in various uh, startups, that's my personal interest and my first investments. I think that we need to completely dissociate with the organization. My humble advice to people who participate in such or such types of uh, forum is A, never take the name of your organization there. Or B, never invest in the name of your organization because you don't have a board approval for that. You're going no. on an intel. Don't commit for anything or Completely dissociate associate your investment and the organization investment. Make it very clear upfront that I am representing as, as an individual X. And I have in this case, I am an investor, ex- and not a promoter of their unicorn or whatever it is. I think I have seen in this program where the entire money was coming from the organization, as if the organization is supporting you on the platform to invest, which has no approval. It's a lack of governance, complete absolute governance. Who give you the authority? Did you take the board approval to invest this? No. I think that's where it is critical to yourself But that doesn't mean you don't participate. You can participate. Types of disclaimer made, front very clearly, and people do realize that he's there or she's there as an investor and not as a company investor but as an individual I think that's very
0: excellent just a final thing I wanted to know because some of these glamour-seeking celebrity status-seeking founders in their cases the investors were very quiet until the damage was done to their reputation and their investment why were these things not getting flagged or you don't get any early warning signal of this guy his celebrity status has gone in his head and you need to stop him and there are umpteen number such examples in public domain as well how does investors and board members really need to understand what are these early warning signals of such people in whose heads this whole celebrity status has gone and then they have tend to ignore or override all the others because they believe now they are the Shahrukh Khans of that startup whatever Khan of their startup so
1: I, I would not say that all celebrities while it well all gone and so I think I can't generalize on that this is really it's, it's not fair you know how do we catch these early signals? How do we put things in place? I think, you know, during the lockdown, we have seen most of these meetings took place through uh, through virtual, virtual, yeah. And and therefore, was very little physical interaction taking place, very little understanding what's happening. And therefore, I think it is more important that uh, every company should have a practice and process in place to have a physical dialogue with the promoters to sit down and understand what the business is, how the business is running. And it is in these meetings that you exchange, a lot of things that you exchange, formally or informally and give the right messages you know and the other thing important thing is that i said in earlier stages uh, people become too complacent with what is happening the growth is happening performance is happening then we don't really focus on things on governance. therefore it is very important that we start focusing the governance at the early stages and put the system in place whereby we know then exactly we will get feedback either from the audit committee or from the risk committee or you get it from the whistleblowing so you get all these feedbacks in early stages and then you can take corrective action so the lesson that is very clear, have more physical interaction, have maybe monthly management meetings with the startups, very clearly an understanding of the business. Go to the second line level and the third line level and have discussions with them and ask them to present so you know the culture. Have a feedback on the culture of the organization. How many times we do a feedback on the culture of We don't. Even matured companies. So start in the early stages getting the right feedback. And when you have the feedback, you know which way the culture is the organization. And in the early stages, you can shape the culture. But once the culture is set up, then you need surgery to really bring about right. And therefore I would say spend time on it. Spend time understanding the people who are working for the startup. Spend time with the promoter and understand him. Coach him. counsel him. Nurture him. Don't kill him. Killing is the last thing you should. And I think that's where it is important for all the independent directors and my friends, private equity investors, to work together to, you know, ensure that we don't and everybody succeeds in this
0: Okay, well, there's a little bit of very negative things now coming against uh, glamorous founders. You see, an entrepreneur is always frugal guy and Jugadu guy and some of these guys who have gone on TV and talked the way they have talked uh, flamboyantly about whatever issues or whatever it definitely creates some sort of a dissonance on wannabe entrepreneurs as well as their employees and the key management who believes you know he's paying me peanut and giving me paper but over there he talks big numbers and stuff like that it definitely create a duality in the minds of the people working with him as well as the wider ecosystem, and which is not a great uh, thing to have in the startup ecosystem, because most entrepreneurs learn from limitations of capital, human resources, and every other uh, inputs that are required to run a startup. And there they talk so big, it just creates so much of glamour, oh, it's such a big thing. Isn't that not sending a wrong message to a generation of wannabe entrepreneurs and startup founders? Yeah, a very good question,
1: I think. Uh, And therefore, many of the times you see these startups give a lot of ESOPs, their second second level third level and all literally you're trying to buy that but that's not you have to work you have to walk the top the promoter has to be aligned to the entire organization culture and he has to he has to live that culture if he wants to build a big company or uh, go and have his uh, his company listed in the market i think this is very very good. you may be a celebrity but have to understand that the organization to align and with the alignment of the organization so what is the purpose of the org- are we all aligned with the purpose of that very critical for an for the entrepreneur to talk about and the promoter has to work towards that he cannot have a one image outside and another image inside he cannot have disproportionate you know things for himself and very less for others so these are the things which then you know it's very critical at, at the nomination remuneration committee or the private equity or who are the investor joint ventures to bring these facts on table and try to monitor this very closely. again i said this is a culture issue and you need to set the culture right at the back before it fails the organization very very important that the board gets involved in the culture the board normally you know tries to shy away from doing something but need to be actively involved in the culture of your hiring of the people. Retaining the people, talent development is, should be the
0: top agenda of the board. Let me just flip to another the issue coming from glamour to greed now. You see, it's come to light that some founders have taken very high leverage to invest into stocks and IPOs. And if those investments would have gone bad, those founders themselves would have gone bankrupt because of the high leverage. And once founders are bankrupt, they are neither eligible to be on the board of their own ventures and they can't even run into their own companies because they get barred should the board and the investors not look into the personal finances of such investee founders as well mm,
1: yeah that's a very sensitive question really first of all a common principle should be followed in the board that pledging of shares should be part of the board discussion and, and therefore the pa- founders pledging of shares which should be only allowed for the business purpose, if it does oh, I, I don't I'm not in favor of any promoter giving personal guarantee or any promoter pledging its shares I think this is the business has to stand on its own feet and not on these collaterals. I think that's, that should be made very, very clear. And the board should be very clear on that part. Solvency of the promoter becomes very And one of the important thing is that his shares in that company needs to be completely free of any pledge or any taken loan on that because that's that's where it becomes very critical but if he's insolvent otherwise then there is a risk of even these shares being sold off and the valuation may come down and up now how do we monitor how do we monitor what is he investing in the market what type of shares his investment is going How it is coming down or is going up it's a very very big frequency if his insolvency happens at last The board needs to take care of that immediately. And if it is impacting the valuation, then the board needs to act fast. Problem is that we don't act fast. To act fast in putting the governance in place, hiring the right person in the place, and always, I say, keep a second line strong with under the promoter. If you have a second line strong on the promoter, these type of things can be immediately taken care of and, and you don't have to search for person outside. So these are the few things the board need to push on itself. Having a strong second line to take over in case something happens to the promoter. The company should not fall down with the promoter the company should be stronger with or without that's
0: that's what my yeah i mean you know these sort of side activities doing personal investments or leveraging leverage-based investments by some of these shouldn't these be looked at as a side venture and restricted at the time of the term sheet itself by investors themselves and monitored because this could lead to catastrophic effect of winding up their own investment in that company or the continuity of the found or a business continuity issue itself. Yeah, as I
1: said, you know, it may apply to the investors also. If the sum of the private equity fails, then what happens?
0: At least the money is you know, in the bank, right?
1: Keep on monitoring the private equity investments globally. You know, there are so many PA's dramatically. So what happens? So it's very difficult, Kapil, to you know, it should be both sides. It can't be one sided because the investor also, the promoter also depends upon the investors sticking around. And if he has a problem, then the valuation of the company also goes down. We have seen that many times. So I think, I think it's it cuts cake both sides and therefore let's leave it there what we need to monitor is secure the investment is not uh, you know pledged out B the internal
0: investment the organization. The ring fence the company or the investee organization absolutely and right
1: and we keep a good line of people second line
0: ready to that's so uh, one quick thing which is coming out uh, very clearly in the media and what I'm reading is you know there are two types of founders now or entrepreneurs one who punt and one who when it comes or em- Emerges out even to the investors or even their co-founders themselves? Well, I think, I think, uh, you know, every investor has to realize
1: that if he has invested in a company which wants to be a unicorn or it
0: increases valuation,
1: if anything goes wrong with the company, his own valuation comes down. It's a her valuation. Comes down. A simple fact. Correct. Why One should take a risk to kill one's own valuation. It's stupid. So that has to be very clear in his mind that, look, I am I am investing in this and I am risking my capital also if I do anything. Important principle we should follow is, maybe that's what the private equity says, that he should be focusing only investment in this one company, another company, no active role should be taken. Not allow him to take any active role in any other investment of his person, as long as he's heading this company. The moment you allow that person to take active role and ten other invest private investment, then this challenge comes. And therefore, that could be part of a shareholder's agreement that his only time would be on this company and only focus on this company. I think that's also very, very critical that he realizes that he may do a private investment, but that's a passive. He cannot actively participate in any other organization.
0: Well, I want to talk about the graft and fraud that are happening by the founders and their close relatives, family and friends. I'm so shocked to see sometimes in media that the investors have gone against those founders and out some of these issues through independent third-party audit when they themselves have done an extensive due diligence before investing and I'm sure these could have been conditions precedent as well and how do you think that the investor and the board actually overlooked such things and accommodated it and then bring it up at a later stage to sack the guy isn't it some sort of a what in our politics now is this and vendetta politics I don't think so is this
1: a vendetta politics it's I think you know lot of people invest on certain data, certain facts that have been given to them. It's a very young startup. They do their due diligence and it's based on what has been presented to them on the facts and everything looks okay. Now, in spite of that, something may go wrong and always happens because the way the startups are, they used to working as a for their private field, as a private freedom and they don't realize how the governance is critical for the investors and therefore I think it's a process to start talking about governance at the early stage of it. Start putting the things in place, talk about related party transactions, Understand and make them understand what is related party transaction and get a code of conduct in the organization place get the code signed get the related party transaction signed and you know we have be very very clear what have you been doing as an individual in the past I think clean it up completely and from now on let's start on a clean state I think that type of statements are very critical to start once you do that then the onus and responsibility and accountability is on the promoter and the entrepreneur he has been warned he's been told that going forward everything and I think that's where the message I would request all all the the private equity firms and others rather than you know dig this after four years five years let's start the process up let's clear the things up front and start on a clean slate and then both understand each other's responsibility and work and then something goes wrong I think then uh, every board is in its right to take action there's no denial about it but not warning them not telling them and then taking actions one fine day I think that's too drastic therefore we need to put the process first in place having process in place people understand each other's role and
0: then something was wrong The board has the right wisdom to take action. Okay, well, I want your experience of having gone through a very strenuous and stressful time when dirty linen against the board members was being talked in media and allegations and counter allegations were being pressed against independent board members as well in one of the companies that you were a board member. And obviously, you were presenting independently, not the investor side, nor the promoter side. But yet, you were battered in that situation most independent board members would have just quit and said okay yeah, you guys handle on but you actually and I must say you were brave enough to continue in spite of such a bad publicity being made on personal grounds and what not against you how do you think you know such situations should be managed by an independent director rather than quitting So every job and this and is minus. a great lessons uh, in uh, governance with, I would say <laughs>
1: yeah, and comes with a lot of responsibility and accountability see running away from your our own responsibility and accountability is the easiest thing. All you have to do is just say, I resign from the board and walk out. That's the easy. But to set up the organization in its right place, put the governance in place is something that the role of an independent director. An independent director cannot run away from its responsibility. I was guided very clearly. I spoke to some of my independent directors in this country. I had a long chat with them and I said, what do we do on this circumstance? They said, nothing doing. You are an director. You have a certain account responsibility and play that irrespective of what not. And I'm very happy happy to say that now are absolutely in place and I don't think some media was uh, harsh on independent directors or they uh, blamed us for everything because we were very much much later uh, than the board was Uh, but I think what is important is that we were able to put things right things are normal and I think that's the role of an independent director rather than running away from responsibility and saying oh my god when the heavens are falling I'm going to not be there I think that's something that is a learning for an independent director if you want to take credit of the performances successes and bonuses and commissions and fees then you should be also ready to take a face it face the challenge and work with the board I think that's the only lesson that I have I'm happy that we were on the limelight in the media mainly on various boards me there are other independent directors and we were you know the public figure for independent directors of many board companies i can tell you kapil that when the, even today when the physical meetings there are shareholders whom mm-hmm. i know them for last almost about 40 years they will come and meet me with flowers and bouquets and shake hands and talk to me and then tell the board that you're lucky to have him as a board member and all so that's type of repetition also we have built up over a period of time and you cannot run away from that petition you need to stay on and, and see that like there was a time okay something was wrong we take the response it and we corrected. I think that's that's more important for me.
0: I just wanted to now conclude, and there are a few questions on the Bharatpay angle as well. I and and I don't want to talk specifically me. on Bharatpay, but I wanted to understand.
1: No, I, 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 let's not talk any company in particular. Yeah, let's yeah. be general.
0: Yeah. So, what happens when a, a founder is ousted? Do you dispose of or do you buy back the shares of such I think founders?
1: More shareholders. I don't want to get into that. This depend upon the shareholders, how they agreement is uh, put up and how they deal with each other which has nothing to do with the board and the independent direct so i'll I'll keep it outside
0: sure thing i wanted to understand you know typically when i invest into a startup or any other investing companies i look at uh, the communication and leadership style of our key man before investing and i'm sure Mm. you know these are certain measures or you also would be looking at when you are on the on the board or running the governance how is the communication and leadership style can you help because what you've gone through in certain cases definitely leads to actually writing a playbook here yeah
1: absolutely
0: so good communication good leader absolutely if i were to bring those communication to leadership quadrants together mm. what happens when bad communication bad leadership how do you turn that around very quickly to turn around the, the situation in any of the company top down from a governance point of view
1: see any company the information is a summit you know they will only give the management will only give as of information they want to talk about. Correct. It's 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 a duty of the directors to go beyond what is given to them. Ask questions where you think you need to have answers. It is only when you ask, go beyond what is provided start asking questions that you get to know what much is the truth, what is hidden from you, and what is not. Was it deliberately hidden, or it has been just missed out? If the practices you follow that many times the same information or different formations are deliberate, then you know the credibility of the management and you clearly judge it and say that look this is not working the board is not being informed of and therefore what is I will advise all the directors that go beyond what is asked just thing as you want to ask to clarify and get the right answer. put the system and process in place to get the information what the board get on every board meeting this is very big. the management communicates to you or the leader or the promoter or the to communicator the way he talks to you also gives you an indication of his leadership how he is with this people in one of the companies is where I saw we asked uh, second unit guys to come and present. The MD kept on giving reasons one or the others why it didn't happen. And then when it happened, we found that, you know, the guy was all the time looking at the MD to respond. clearly so the skip level behavior itself indicated. Yeah, we have to observe very clearly. Clearly give an indication that it's very well controlled. There is no openness. There is no transparency in the the leadership style has been functioned. And, and everything comes as different manners. So that's very deep And therefore, I think this is the role of board to judge the conduct of promoter, the MD, on what he presents, how he presents, how he interacts in the board and how he interacts with his own colleague. Like, there are two levels of interaction with the board and the colleagues. Then I judge the people very, you know, on these bases and then we have to then look at the culture of the organization. As I said, culture should be part of the board, the discussion all the time and then say that how do you want the culture to your organization to be? Where do you want the organization to go? That's, that's very critical and you're absolutely right right so how does the key communicate what type of leadership traits are shown what type of leadership qualities are exhibited and how that leader behaves and he takes decision becomes good it is his decision so it's a decision of the business unit head is a forced decision
0: of what is the way that all that well one last question and a very tricky one
1: all your questions happens... have
0: been... <laughs> <laughs> I've learned a lot from working with you what happens when there is conflict between two independent directors on a board
1: wow this is tough. have yeah, you ever are... come
0: across this where one is hell-bent on a certain point of view and you are hell-bent on the other extreme and how do you actually manage that situation so
1: we have seen one up and, ship and one board in order to speak something the other one will speak They the game they we will contribute and all that that happen in the discussion. I always feel that you know you speak when you have something worthwhile to speak or you want to clarify something or you want to add on to somebody what you has already said. Now if two independent, takes, independent directors take two different positions on certain issues. If it is a business issue or a strategy issue it's very normal there's nothing right. wrong with that. I may perceive one strategy to be looked at this way the other independent directors would perceive to look at different way. I, I would think that certain matter which is placed to me is good to go but the other independent director may feel that not good on those issues. I have no challenge. Absolutely, that should be a disagreement on that, and that's where the beauty is that we have a different views on, on any subject. But on issues of governance, if we have two different views, one feels that there should be no governance, or one, there should be a governance, and one will say that you know it's okay what is happening as long as the growth is happening and all, then I think there is a challenge, and therefore it is important that the directors sit down and discuss that where okay, where is the difference and what should be done to ensure what is in interest of the at the. The end of the day, we all there for the stakeholders. And today, the stakeholders are not only the shareholders. The shareholders, the communities, the different other stakeholders, maybe vendors, maybe customers. So we, what is the interest of the organization and to serve the stakeholders? Independent directors' responsibility is towards stakeholders. And stakeholders are just not. And therefore, I think that's understanding if it is there, and they can always bridge the gap and, and take a right decision. But there has to be dialogue with them personally outside, not on the board. But if it's a business issue, strategy issue, no issue.
0: So these would be unminuted dialogues between two independent directors then? Absolutely. I mean, you can, you know, at the board level, whether a
1: governance issue positioning, I think would become difficult. Sometimes it would be also necessary for the chairman to have a dialogue with both the independent directors and bring an alignment. And, uh, you know, that the role of the chairman also varies in such circumstances. How does he see the situation? And what type of message he wants to give to them? I may believe in certain governance, The chairman also believes in the
0: Whether the entire board believes in that. That is very essential. Thank you so much, and I'm afraid we could talk many more points on this podcast, but we have run out of time. And some of the wisdom that you have read is so fabulous on governance and your live experience across some of the startups that you have gone through. And on behalf of our sponsors and our and our listeners, I'd like to thank you for giving this time and talking to us. Thank you so much and look forward to having you again on our podcast show.
1: Pleasure to talk to you. Wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you, Keval.